Daniel chapter 10 tonight. One of the most interesting chapters in all the Bible. The theme of the book of Daniel is the sovereignty of God. That the most high God rules in the kingdoms of men. But tonight, God wants to take it up another notch in a sense. Because God wants to remind us, if I can't get my people to trust that I rule in the kingdoms of men, how will I ever get them to trust that I rule in the invisible kingdom? A kingdom that they can't see. The unseen realm. The realm of principalities and powers and the rulers of the darkness of this world and spiritual wickedness in high places. I have to believe God is sovereign there too. In fact, to me, that's even more intimidating to a human being is what we can't see, the invisible. If I can't trust God for the visible, how am I ever going to trust him for the invisible? And the fact that, yes, he not only rules over the kingdoms of men, he not only rules over all that I see, but he rules over what I can't see and what I can't control. And what I may not even be aware of, like Daniel here and like Job in Job chapter 1. Job was never made aware of the conversation that God and Satan had that brought that whole suffering of Job about. So you and I have to get there. And hopefully tonight will be an encouragement to us. I, I want you to see this chapter from three different angles. Obviously, we're going to talk about the context of it, that there's this spiritual warfare going on. And we talked about that before worship, how that you and I are engaged in spiritual warfare with unseen entities, fallen angels, right? But Daniel chapter 10 points out something even beyond that, that there's also conflict and battles going on between angels that we cannot see, between the fallen angels and the unfallen angels. And sometimes even those battles in the spiritual world affect us in the natural world. That's the context. But I also want you and, and, and I to see the effect that all of this had on Daniel. Now, we know, we've seen how great a man Daniel was. He was a tremendous servant of God. He'd been a great example to us. And yet this experience wrung him out. I say that as an encouragement to us. There may be times in your life as a Christian where there may be days or even maybe several days or even a week maybe where you feel wrung out and you're having a hard time maybe even explaining it. Why, why do I feel this way? Why, why do I feel so wrung out and whatever? you may be engaged in a spiritual war or conflict that you don't even realize you're being engaged in, and it's sapping you. Because, you see, one of the things that is pointed out here is that as great a man as Daniel was, he was still a man. And our human frailty and our human weakness, when it comes up against these invisible entities in this spiritual world, it can drain us. And it certainly did Daniel. So don't be discouraged when you feel drained. You may be going through a battle with unseen entities. And then we're going to see another angle is the message that the angel gives to Daniel 
when he finally arrives and is able to speak to Daniel. So let's go through this great chapter tonight, beginning in verse 1. In the third year of King Cyrus of Persia, a message was revealed to Daniel, who was also called Belteshazzar. This message, he says, is really true. It's like, what I'm about to tell you might seem so incredible, but it's really true. And it concerns, notice, a great war or a great conflict. And so he understood the message and gained insight by the vision. What I want us to take away from verse 1 is that you and I would not be aware of what goes on in the invisible, unseen realm unless God chose to reveal it to us. And God doesn't choose to reveal all that goes on there, but the things that he does choose to reveal about the unseen realm are things that we need to know and live by and be confident in. And the things that he chooses not to tell us, just like he never told Job, we just need to trust him in that, even though we might not know all that's going on. Verse 2, in those days, I, Daniel, was mourning for three whole weeks. I ate no choice food, no meat or wine came to my lips, nor did I anoint myself with oil until the end of those three weeks. Why was Daniel mourning? He was mourning because of the lack of responsiveness by God's people. You say, because of what? Because by this time... God had moved upon Cyrus to allow the captives, the exiles, to go back, to rebuild Jerusalem, to rebuild the temple, to, to make their life back in Israel again. Their exile was over. They were now allowed to go home and be free. And the people of God were not responding. They got comfortable those 70 years in Babylon. They had settled down, and the majority of them, there were a few, there was a remnant, but the majority of the Jews did not go back. And Daniel was grieved at the lack of responsiveness of God's people to what God's directive was. He was fasting, he was mourning, he was crying out to God. He thought, after all these years, they now have a chance to go back, and they won't. And so Daniel was grieving. And he was trying to just make sense of it all. So on the 24th day, verse 4 of the first month, I was beside the great river in Tigris. I looked up and saw a man clothed in linen. Around his waist was a belt made of gold from Uphaz. His body resembled yellow jasper. His face had an appearance like lightning. His eyes were like blazing torches. His arms and feet had the gleam of polished bronze. His voice thundered forth like the sound of a large crowd. Who or what is Daniel seeing? Well, I would submit to you that if you take the description of this man in Daniel 4, 5, and 6, and you compare it to the description of John from the book of Revelation in chapter Chapter 1, verses 12 through 14, it is none other than the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is seeing a vision of the glory of Jesus. And oh, do we need to make sure that we are seeing our glorified Lord during the days in which we live. We need to see a fresh vision of God in our lives. Notice verse 7, only I, Daniel, saw the vision. The men who were with me did not see it. On the contrary, they were overcome with fright and ran away to hide, but they never actually saw what was going on. You say, how could that be? Because when one encounters the presence of God, there is power in God's presence. 
that you and I feel that at the oasis. We may not be able to explain it, but when God's presence is here amongst his people, it is felt and it is powerful. And these guys, they, they couldn't understand it, but, but it made them afraid. They, they knew there was a presence there, but again, they could not see it like Daniel did. He said, I alone was left to see this great vision of the glory of Jesus. And my strength, notice, begins to drain from me, and my vigor disappeared. Do you see the effect that even a vision of God is having upon Daniel? He's engaging with God, and it's draining him. So even sometimes, not just in our spiritual warfare, but sometimes in our intense times with God, we feel drained. That's okay. That's, again, that just shows our human frailty and weakness and limitations. God understands that. I just look forward to the day in our glorified body when we won't have that effect anymore when we're engaging with God. Because we'll lay these old bodies aside that have that frailty and fragileness and weakness and limitation. I, I do want to reemphasize re this. We need to see God today. Daniel needed to see God in his day because of what was happening in his day, and we need to see God. We always need to be able to see God, and we need to see him in his glory. We need to see who he really is, and in a couple of weeks, we're going to be starting a study of the book of Revelation. And, and I always say when we come to the study of the book of Revelation that the primary thing is the very first words of the book. It is the revelation of Jesus Christ. If you travel through the book of Revelation and you don't get a glimpse of the glory of Jesus Christ, then to me there's no reason to study the book of Revelation. Because all the other things aren't as important as seeing Jesus Christ. That's primarily what the book of Revelation is about. It is unveiling for us who Jesus is in all his glory, and we need to see him in that light as well, especially when we talk about momentous things like spiritual warfare and what's going on in the invisible world that we can't see, even how it affects us. And then verse 9, I listened to his voice. Because not only do we need to see God, we need to hear God at all times. And as I did so, I fell in a trance-like sleep, a deep sleep with my face to the ground. He utterly lost consciousness. Again, you're beginning to see the physical effects of engaging with God and all of this that this had on Daniel. Ah, oh, but notice verse 10. Then a hand touched me and set me on my hands and knees. He was given a touch from God. We need touches from God. In fact, three times in this chapter, notice Daniel is touched by God. And by the way, the word simply means that God, whether it was through his, his own person or through his angelic messenger or minister to Daniel, God was drawing near to Daniel. That's what it means to be touched by God. Notice up in verse 16 of chapter 10, then one who appeared to me to be a human being was touching my lips. Then verse 18, then the one who appeared to be a human being touched me again and strengthened me. 
Maybe you've come here tonight. Maybe you're watching us over live stream and you're going through a really difficult, hard struggle right now. Because remember, our struggle is not against flesh and blood. And maybe you're, you're getting weary and, and worn and all of that. And, and you need a fresh touch from God. God will touch you. God wants to reach out and extend himself to his people and touch us so that we can be strengthened for what we're going through. And that's why it's so important that we make ourselves available to God and that we approach God in his presence and that we allow God access into our hearts and minds and lives so that he can touch us and so that we can be touched by him, so that we can feel him near us. That's how God was engaging with Daniel. Then, verse 11, he said to me, Daniel, you are of great value. You are a precious treasure to God. And by the way, this isn't the only time Daniel, again, is given this message. Not only does God touch him multiple times, but God reminds him of how greatly beloved he is a couple of times. Look over in verse 19. He said to me, don't be afraid, you are valued. You are greatly beloved. You are a precious treasure to God. God wants to touch us tonight. Even in the midst of our spiritual battles and wars, he wants to draw near to his people to strengthen us. He also wants to remind us that, that we are greatly beloved by him that we are a precious treasure and that we are of great value, just like he did to Daniel. And here's why. Getting a little ahead of myself, but the Apostle John says, perfect love casts out fear, right? When you and I truly begin to understand and receive how much and embrace how much God loves us, we won't be afraid. Because we'll know that the Most High God that loves us more than we could ever imagine not only rules in the kingdoms of men, so he's in control of that too. He's in control of the invisible kingdom that we can't see. And I don't need to be afraid, which is why in verse 19 you have the phrase, don't be afraid, but it up against the phrase, you are of great value or you are greatly loved. Because perfect love casts out fear. If we really believe that God loved us more than we could ever imagine, then we have nothing to be afraid of because he rules. He's in control of what we can see and what we can't see. Back to verse 11. He is told to understand the words that I'm about to speak to you. Give heed, give, give attention, put your mind down on this so you can grasp what I'm about to tell you because this is really important, Daniel, and this isn't going to be just a message for you, but this is going to be a message that benefits your people down through the ages and even coming to 2021. Guess what? God is going to use this message again to encourage his people here tonight. So he says, stand up. For I have now been sent to you. Why does he ask Daniel to stand up? Because it is an attitude of posture. It, it, it is a way. You see, our posture, when we're listening, reflects an attitude. 
whether we understand that or consciously or not. That's why, like, I remember back when I was in elementary school, long time ago, you know, when dinosaurs roamed the earth. I can always remember some of my teachers saying, Jeff, sit up. I have this bad habit of slumping. And my teachers would always say, if, if, you, if, if you put forth a posture, you, you can actually absorb and, and listen better by your posture. The angel's saying the same thing to Daniel. He's saying, listen, this isn't, this isn't a message to, for you to be sitting down for. Stand up to receive this message. Be, be in an attitude where you, you, you're ready to receive it. You're standing on both feet. And when he said this to me, I stood up trembling. Now again, remember, Daniel's a great servant of God. He's a great man of God. But what he is going through, what he's experiencing with this angel is just incredible already. And the angel hasn't even told him anything yet. But he's engaging with spiritual, supernatural beings. He's seen a vision of the glory of Jesus Christ, and, and it's affecting him in physical and physiological ways. Verse 12, then he said to me again, don't be afraid. Literally, stop being fearful, Daniel. Because God understands when you begin to talk to human beings who only know what they can see and, and, and are flesh and blood, and you start talking about uh, an invisible kingdom and, and, and fallen angels and, and even unfallen angels, and, and that there's this dimension that is just beyond our ability to be able to, to grasp, and there's a whole thing going on out there at all times, and there's wars between the angels, and there's conflicts going on that even affect us sometimes uh, on earth, those things can be so weighty and so overwhelming that we can get a little shaken by it. But God says, don't, don't, because I'm in charge. An angel, good or bad, can't do anything without me allowing it. Satan in the book of Job had to come to God and ask permission because he's accountable to God. He can do nothing to touch any of us, nor any of his, of his uh, lieutenants can do anything to us without at first passing through the sovereign hand of God. So God says to his people, do not be afraid. Either you believe that I'm sovereign and I rule not only in the kingdoms of men, but I rule in the unseen kingdoms as well. And then he says this, Daniel, for from the very first day you applied your mind to understand and to humble yourself before God, your words were heard. God heard Daniel's prayer. God hears your prayers. And God responds because he was, goes on to say in verse 12, I have come in response to your words. God hears and God responds. By the way, I want to go back to a phrase that's very important a phrase that describes Daniel that's a great example for us in verse 12 when the angel says, from the first day you started to talk to God about this, you applied your mind to understand. It's a phrase that speaks about a devotion of heart that leads to a determination of the will. They're connected. When you and I have a devoted heart... <laughs> it will result in a determined will. In other words, Daniel was like, I need to talk to God about this. This, this, is, this is on my heart. 
I am concerned about the people of God and their lack of responsiveness, God, to your word and your directive. I, I need to talk to you about this, and I am determined to, to talk this over with you and, and to come to some kind of resolution. Give me, give me some kind of peace about this, God. Give me some kind of hope. And he never stopped talking to the Lord about it, even though God did not immediately answer. And we're going to see why he did not get an immediate answer. Notice, he says, however, the prince of the kingdom of Persia was opposing me for 21 days. Now, this isn't an earthly prince. This is not a flesh and blood prince. This is a description of a fallen angel under the direction of Satan who is over a specific geographical kingdom, the kingdom of Persia. And this angel, who's been sent by God to give a response to Daniel to his prayer, has been held up for three weeks by this fallen angel that he's in great conflict with. Now, now think about this. There was a conflict between two angels, a fallen angel and a non-fallen angel, that held this unfallen angel up from getting to Daniel for his response. And God was in control of it all. If God did not want that to happen, God could have simply, boop, gone, fallen angel, get out of the way. See, God even allows the angels to struggle, if you will. Even today. Even now, they're still up until the point where in the book of Revelation, God finally puts Satan and the false prophet and, and all of them uh, in, into the lake of fire and everything then is resolved. Up until then, even in the unseen realm, there's these wars and conflicts and battles going on between unfallen angels and fallen angels. And sometimes, just like with Daniel, it affects us. And it might not be revealed to us that there's something going on in the invisible realm that's affecting our lives. God simply wants us to trust him. That he's got us and he's got the situation. Now, what can we take from this, though? Before we move on, I, I want to say this because this is so important. This is great instruction here for us as Christians. The Bible teaches in the book of Ephesians and so many other places that there's not only a hierarchy of good angels, if you will, archangels like Michael and others, so there's a hierarchy there, that there's also a hierarchy of demonic beings in Satan's world, okay? Not all the demons are equally powerful, okay? And what Satan has done is that he has set angels over every geographical region on earth to be an influence negatively upon those nations. So think about this with me very practically. What that means is that Satan has put a very strong demon over the United States of America. Satan has put a very strong demon over the nation of Israel. Over every nation, Satan has, and depending on 
the strategic importance of those nations and those areas, Satan will put his strongest ones in charge of certain places. That's why we're going to learn a little bit later on that Michael, the strongest good angel in God's economy, has always been God's protector of Israel. That's been his job from day one. Michael watches over the people of God, meaning Israel. And that's part of why in all of the history of this world, though Israel has and the people of God have been tried to be wiped out and destroyed, they have never been able to do it because Michael eventually will rise up and he will protect the people of God. So that also means then that not only does Satan have a particular demon, say, over the United States to influence its leaders and leadership and has ever since this nation became a nation, but that also means God has a counter angel also there to sort of check the angel or the demon from Satan to, to just give a check and balance, if you will, to what's going on out there. Now let's bring it even down a little bit closer to home. I believe that depending on the effectiveness of our life and our ministry, Satan can even go, you know what? I'm putting one of my stronger demons there to hassle that church there in Gilbert called the Oasis. You see, I think, I think Gilbert, Arizona has a demon over Gilbert. I think Phoenix has New York City, you, you name it, all the cities. Satan will have demons who are there to do nothing but try to hinder the work of God and bring an evil influence into that geographical area. Just like the prince of Persia, that fallen angel, held up the other angel from God from coming to Daniel. And, and we need to be aware of that. Again, not to cause fear, but to have a spiritual awareness that there's always things going on in the realm that we cannot see. And we need to just trust God for it, but also understand that there are times where we may be affected by it, just as Daniel was. So much more I could say, but I've got to move on. However, verse 13, the prince of the kingdom of Persia was opposing me, rising up as a foe against me for 21 days, three weeks. And Daniel probably, like many of us, would be, God, why aren't you responding? Why, why am I not getting anything from you? Well, it's not that he wasn't, but God was letting this play out even in the angelic realm, see? But God was ultimately in control, which again is why we have to trust him. But Michael, verse 13, one who is of God is what his name means. One of the leading princes, literally first in degree, came to help or assist or support me because I was left there with the kings of Persia. Verse 14, now... I have finally broken through the spiritual resistance at last, and I've come to tell you about what's going to happen to your people, the Jews, in the latter days, for the vision pertains to the future, not to now. See, to give Daniel hope, because right now Daniel's pretty hopeless. He doesn't see God's people, the Jews, responding to God as they should, and he's beginning to think, 
What's the future hold? And so the angel's going to come and give Daniel an encouraging message, which is the message we talked about several weeks ago. Part of it is that 70-week prophecy in Daniel chapter 9. Now, verse 14, I've come to help you understand what this is all about. And we need help to understand. That's why God gives us his spirit. While he was saying this to me, verse 15, I was flat on the ground and unable to speak. Again, you see the physical response of Daniel to all this. It's overwhelming him. It's draining him. Then one who appeared to me, verse 16, a human being, in appearance as a human being, was touching my lips. I opened my mouth and started to speak, saying to the one who was standing before me, Sir, due to the vision, anxiety has gripped me. I have no strength. I'm done. I got nothing left, Daniel says. By the way, God's touch here is going to enable Daniel to do something that he could never do on his own. That's one of the things God's touches does for us. It not only strengthens us, it, it uh, equips us and enables us to do what we could never do on our own. Because he says in verse 17, How, sir, Daniel, am I able to speak with you? My strength is gone. I'm breathless. And then the one who appeared to be a human being touched me again and strengthened me, restored his strength. God can touch us himself, or God can send an angel, one of his ministering spirits, Hebrews 1.11 says, to send forth to, to those of us who have inherited salvation. They are ministering spirits. And God is in control of all of the angels, the whole angelic realm, good and bad. He not only rules over the kingdoms of men, he rules over the invisible kingdom as well. And he says to me, and here's the message for you and I tonight, don't be fearful. You are valued, greatly loved. Peace be to you. Literally, it means rest in your God, Daniel. We, we all need to hear this and heed this message from the angel to Daniel and personally apply it to our lives today. It's a great message for the season that we're in. First, let's stop being afraid and trust the sovereignty of God. Second, let's realize that God loves us. I mean, really loves us like no one else will ever love us and that he wants us to rest in him at all times, especially when it comes to hearing about overwhelming things like, you mean angels are having battles out there and I don't even know it and it might even affect me and there's this whole invisible world out there and I can't even see it and that sort of creeps me out and that makes me uncomfortable. I'm already a control freak and I like to be in control of everything that I can see and now you're telling me there's a whole other world out there that I can't see that I'm not in control of? God, I'm a little shaky about that. And God just says, rest in me. And then... I love this. He doesn't end with that. Then he says to Daniel, be strong, Daniel. Be really strong. God wants his people to be strong. Not weak, not wimpy. He understands the times in which we live, just like they were with Daniel, are momentous times. And there's a lot going on, visible and invisible. 
And there are entities out there that would like nothing better than to destroy us if they could. In fact, Jesus was very upfront with Peter. Remember when he said to Peter, Peter, Satan wants to sift you like wheat. Basically, Satan wants to kill you, but I'm not going to let him. I mean, we've got to come to grips with that, folks. If it was up to Satan or any demon out there, we'd be dead right now. That's their, their, they don't care about us at all. They would wipe out the church completely. But our God watches over us. And I don't have to worry about those demons who want my life and who want to destroy me or everything, because I just rest in my God every day and trust in him. And I'm really strong in my God because we can be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. That's exactly what Paul said to the Ephesians in the context of spiritual warfare. Before he starts talking about we don't struggle against flesh and blood, but we struggle against principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness and spiritual wickedness in high places. Before he even gets to that, he says to the people of God, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And that's exactly the message the angel has for Daniel. Daniel, God's got you, but you've got to be strong. You've got to let him strengthen you every day in order to prevail. Because God understands. I get it. It's not easy. It's not easy to be a, a, a person of God living in the days that Daniel did. It's not easy being a person of God who wants to follow the Lord in the days in which you and I live. But God said, I'll give you the strength. And Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And when he spoke to me, I was strengthened. I said, sir, you may speak now, for you've given me strength. And he said, do you know why I have come to you? Now I am about to return and engage in battle with the prince of Persia once again. Time for me to fight those who are fighting me. Because, as I said at the beginning of our worship, there is continual warfare, and spiritual victory. You see, even in the angelic realm, they're always fighting with each other. We can't see it most of the time. We might not even be able to sense it, but there are fallen angels and unfallen angels that are in conflict over this world, over nations, over churches, over homes, over individual Christians. There are certain targets There are strategic locations. There are strategic places. And you and I better grasp the fact as the people of God that Satan does have great influence on the leaders around this world. We better come to that agreement because that's what the Bible teaches. The Bible says the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. Now again, God's sovereign. God's sovereign. But Satan is very active, and he's active through his lieutenants that he has placed around this world, just as he did the prince of Persia to delay the angel. Because the angel that was coming from God wasn't as strong as the fallen angel from Persia. Until Michael showed up, one super angel showed up, then it was like, then Michael had the strength to be able to overcome the fallen angel from Persia. And then notice what he says. When I go, the prince of Greece is coming. In other words, here we go again. Continual warfare and spiritual victory. 
I end with this. The angel, however, says, I will first tell you what is written in a dependable book. God's book. It is faithful. It is trustworthy. And it gives us stability. And there is no one, he says, who strengthens me against these princes, these fallen angels, except Michael. And then here's the note, your prince. That's where we understand one of the many times in Scripture where Michael has been placed over the Jews. And they are his responsibility because God has his angels also watching over strategic locations. And I believe God has an angel watching over the Oasis Church and other churches and your home and your life. And that no unfallen angel out there in the invisible world can touch you or anything that you're connected with unless God allows it. So I leave all of us with these words from verse 19. And if you take nothing else from this whole chapter, take these exhortations from the angel to Daniel. First, stop being fearful. Second, realize how much you are loved. Third, rest in your God. And fourth, be strong, be really Let's pray. God, we thank you tonight for this amazing revelation that you've given us. God, there's so much more here that we could go into, and I'm sure for many here and those who are watching by live stream, we have enough to sort of study up and contemplate and consider for maybe many days and many weeks to come. But God, one thing is for sure. You don't want our minds or hearts to get away from being founded upon you. God, you want us to stop being fearful. You want us to rest in you. You want us to know every day how much you love us. We are a precious treasure to you. And you want us to be strong, God, really strong. So God, may we be the confident and courageous people that you call us to be. May we find our strength each and every day in you for the battles that we're going to fight, the battles that we see and the battles that we can't even see in that invisible world out there. God, would you go with us as we go home tonight? Give us a good night of rest and wake us up tomorrow, Lord, if it be your will, to just serve you one more day on this earth with everything we've got. These things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for being here. See you next week.